Hello, and welcome back to The Corporate Casket. My name is Blair, and today we're going to talk about yet another charity that may have started off with good intentions, but has gone way far down the tubes. Today, we're going to be talking about a very highly requested topic inside my Discord server, and that's going to be Locks of Love. Many of you have asked me for some time now to look into this charity and see if the bad that they've heard is actually true and how bad does it really get? And today, that's exactly where we are going to be focusing our magnifying glass and taking a look at Locks of Love from the beginning to now. So let's get into it. Locks of Love was founded a little over 20 years ago in 1997. According to their website, they're devoted to helping every child suffering from medical hair loss. Their recipients are financially disadvantaged children age 21 and under suffering from long-term medical hair loss from any diagnosis. Many of the children that benefit from Locks of Love suffer from an autoimmune disorder called alopecia areata, which causes the hair follicles to shut down. They do collect financial donations, but they're known for taking hair from donors that have 10 inches or more to give. Everyone from students to bikers to pro athletes have given their hair to this cause, and it is a fantastic cause. Giving up hair to kids that have alopecia is fantastic and something that a lot of people have the ability to do. According to Locks of Love, colored or permed hair is acceptable. Hair has to be in a ponytail or braid. Dreadlocks can't be used. Layered hair has to be divided into multiple ponytails and they can't accept extensions. They also make it clear that gray hair may be sold to offset manufacturing costs, which I can't really fault them for either. I don't think most children would want gray hair for their wig. It rubs me the wrong way just a little bit to think of them selling this donated hair, but we'll get into more of that gray area in just a little bit. Overall, these guidelines for accepting hair sound pretty reasonable, and I'm sure we can all understand that not every donation can obviously be used. There are exceptions to every rule. But before we even talk about finances or numbers, let's talk about some basics here. Do locks of love do what they claim? Well. The answer is kind of yes and no. They absolutely do make wigs, but in 2007, the New York Times revealed that they don't really do nearly as much as you would think. Their article called Lather, Rinse, Donate said that in the 10 years the charity had been running, they provided 2000 wigs to recipients for free or a reduced price. 2,000 children helped sounds fantastic until you hear that they receive up to 2000 donations every week. Again, I understand that it takes more than a single donation to make a wig, but 200 wigs a year with like 2000 donations per week, it just, it seems a little off to me. As the article says, Locks of Love sends the best of the hair it receives to a wig manufacturer, tailor-made hair replacement in Millbrae, California, which weeds through the selection till further rejecting up to half. We hate throwing it away, but ultimately we have to clear the place out, said Greg Taylor, the president and owner of TaylorMade. There is a disparity between the hundreds and hundreds of braids and ponytails and the number of hair pieces we've produced. Mr. Taylor sells the wigs wholesale to Locks of Love for less than $1,000. 
To top it off, the article explains that many alopecia sufferers don't even seem to know locks of love was made for them. Only about 10 apply for a wig each week. Maggie Varney, a hairdresser and owner of a salon, said she was shocked to learn that hair she collected from her clients and sent to Locks of Love was not used for wigs for children with cancer. In reaction, she formed her own nonprofit, Wigs for Kids, in 2003, which receives a few dozen donations of hair a month that are made into wigs that go predominantly to children with cancer. Locks of Love does say on their website that they were founded for alopecia sufferers, but some sources have said that children with cancer are rejected because their baldness is temporary, so to speak. With that many donations, you'd think Locks of Love would be able to help more children, but they don't. According to that lather, rinse, and donate article, a different hair donation charity, Pantene Beautiful Lengths, distributed 2000 wigs to women with cancer in their first year alone. Now, maybe that's because they have a name like Pantene backing them, so maybe that's why they got more donations. Nope, that's not the case actually. Pantene Beautiful Lengths received 18,000 ponytails, far less than Locks of Love, yet they donated the same amount of wigs that Locks of Love achieved in 10 years, and they only did it in one. So these numbers are definitely not starting to look fantastic for Locks of Love to say the least. I knew this wasn't going to be great going in, but the situation is a tangled mess nonetheless. Get it? Tangled, like hair, because that's what we're talking about. I'm sorry, again. As for wigs for kids, I'll say the situation's about to get a little confusing here because there's two different charities with the same name. At first, I thought the New York Times article was messing with me because they said Wigs for Kids is the oldest hair donation charity started by Jeffrey Paul when earlier they mentioned the 2003 charity being started by Maggie. So there's two. There's Jeffrey's Wigs for Kids with the word for, F-O-R. That charity is over 30 years old now and it goes to children with cancer as well as medical conditions. Then there's Maggie's Wigs for Kids with the letter four. So to help separate the two charities and to get some clarity for all of us here, I'm going to call Wigs for Kids with the letter four Maggie's charity. And then Wigs for Kids is going to be the one started by Jeffrey Paul, the oldest hair donation charity. So hopefully that's cleared up and let's move on. So far, we've got Locks of Love throwing out half the hair they receive, donating 2000 wigs in 10 years with far more donations than any other hair charity who've matched that amount in one year and rejecting cancer patients because their baldness is temporary. Wigs for Kids is very open about their process and says it often takes four or five donors just to make one wig, but they are hands-on with the manufacturers. They won't send out the hair where so much of it is tossed. Maggie's charity is smaller, focused on Michigan where they were founded, and they've helped 4,700 children since 2003. In just one state, in 17 years, they've helped 4,700 children, whereas Locks of Love donated 2,000 in a 10-year period. Just think about that. And I mean, the numbers do not lie. Locks of Love had 104,000 hair donations per year divided by the 317 hair pieces produced in 2011. That equals 328 hair donations accepted to produce one wig, which that's unreasonable, but back to the article. 
Pantene Beautiful Lengths, 65,000 hair donations per year divided by the 3,500 hair pieces produced per year equals 19 hair donations accepted to produce one wig. That's 17 times as many. And in regards to the donation numbers, Forbes says that Locks of Love responded and here's what they had to say. We are unaware of this publicly available data, nor do we endorse it. As a result of LOX's inability to provide updated information, NPI relied upon the statements of LOX's executive director as cited in USA Today to estimate the amount of hair donated each year only after reasonable and diligent efforts to obtain updated data. Now, LOX of Love may not endorse the data, but it doesn't seem like they've exactly proven these numbers incorrect either. This is just me, but if I was in some sort of executive position at Locks of Love and these kinds of numbers were coming out and they were not true, I would very quickly rebut it and put out the real numbers, but they didn't do that here. So from what I've found between multiple different sources saying the same thing, this is what we have to go on. And these numbers aren't the only messed up things that Locks of Love has to account for either. In 2013, ABC News came out with its own story six years after the New York Times article ran. And here's what they had to say. Nonprofit investor claims it has tried to comb through the records of Locks of Love, but has found few documents. It therefore estimated that the charity accepts 104,000 hair donations per year, enough for more than 2,000 hair pieces, but it only made 317 custom wigs in 2011. Nonprofit investor calculated that a hair raising $6 million worth of donations were wasted or not being used. I have no idea where that number came from, Locks founder Madonna Kaufman said, referring to the estimate that she receives 104,000 hair donations a year. We never in 15 years have counted hair donations and I explained that to him. When hair donations come in, they're opened and put into color bins and we don't count them, said Kaufman, who founded the group in 1997 after her daughter lost her hair to alopecia. I don't have the staff for that. I don't know what the purpose would be to count hair donations. We made 317 that year because we had 317 requests, Kaufman said. Some of the donated hair is sold to finance the making of its custom wigs. It sold $500,000 worth in 2011, Kaufman said. The unused hair stays in inventory until a request comes in, she said. And I don't know if you guys caught everything in what I just read. So we're gonna break it down again very quickly here because I have so many issues with what she said here. So she says, Locks of Love got 317 requests and they fulfilled them. The rest of the hair they received, they sold. But that's like 100,000 donations being sold. It doesn't cost half a million dollars to make 317 wigs. They said so themselves that they bought the wigs from TaylorMade wholesale for $1,000. So there's nearly $200,000 unaccounted profit here, even by their own numbers that they themselves are providing. But going back to the article here, nonprofit investigator has evaluated about 60 nonprofits under founder Kent Chow, who graduated from University of Texas in 2006. This is the organization's first negative evaluation. Chow said he was comfortable relying on the 2004 USA Today article and called the fact that Locks of Love doesn't count its hair donations troubling. 
fraud investigator Gerard Zach reviewed Locks of Love IRS 990 form and told ABC News that the rules for gifts like hair aren't as clear as they could be. Zach said he doubts the organization has $6 million worth of unaccounted hair, but said its IRS form 990 was a bit messy. Whether the number is 6 million or not, I suppose we can't say for sure, but it wasn't just ABC News reporting on this in 2013. San Francisco Global also came out with a story and it featured a firsthand account from Mark Owens, the former director of the tax exempt division of the IRS. He said that the missing pieces of information are actually fairly significant and that the charity's 990 tax filings show a program service revenue of nearly $580,000. But there is no explanation of breakdown. He told KPIX that there are just so many omissions that it's hard to say for certain that any of the data on the return is accurate. Now, this could simply be that people at Locks of Love are terrible at their taxes. And that's really, really the assumption I would love to make. But when this is in their favor, I can't really say I'm too optimistic. So I went over to the Locks of Love website and I went to go see the 990 tax filing form myself. And I found one from 2016. Not to toot my own horn here, but my estimates were actually correct. They had just over $200,000 left over after accounting for their expenses. However, in 2016, they only provided 249 wigs to kids. Though they say they had a small four-day camp as well as part of their expenses. And again, it's freaking awesome that they helped those 249 kids. I do not wanna diminish their need in any way. But at the same time, I do find it worrying that Locks of Love, who's all about hair donations, doesn't disclose how much they actually receive, the percentage used to produce wigs, how many are discarded and how many are sold. Those are, as Forbes put it, critical business metrics for Locks of Love's to track and disclose in order to prove accountability. And it is almost impossibly hard for me to even call out this company without those numbers because I can't say for sure just how shady they are. All I know is they've provided far less wigs and aid to children than other hair donation charities. Like with my soap business, which I know I, we'll get there eventually. I, I fucking promise we will. But when I'm making soap, I know exactly how much material I'm going to need to like every portion, every component to make soap. I know what I need to put into that. And I know exactly how much it costs. That is literally the basics for running a fucking company. You have to know how much material you have and how much that material cost. And charities of all companies, I don't care if they're a nonprofit, should be even more transparent. And the fact that Locks of Love isn't and doesn't even seem to care about trying, it's just not a good look. Now, other issues I have with Locks of Love are how they market and how they're not exactly honest about who they're donating to either. Very Well Health, UCLA, and even just innocent kids on YouTube have all donated their hair in hopes of helping kids with cancer. In the Who We Are section, like I mentioned before, they state that many recipients are children suffering from alopecia. And again, admirable, but here's where the waters get murky. They also state on the mission and vision section that they are devoted to helping every child suffering from medical hair loss. So it's not a stretch to think that people would assume this also means cancer patients as Maggie did, as very well health does, UCLA, all of it. 
One out of every 1,000 children have some form of alopecia and one in 285 children will be diagnosed with cancer before their 20th birthday. This doesn't mean that one out of every 285 will lose their hair and undergo chemo, but it's safe to say that cancer rates are higher than alopecia rates. So you'd think that Locks of Love, one of the most well-known names for hair donation charities would certainly accept both. With Pantene Beautiful Lengths going synthetic, they've become the one people know the most. I mean, their mission statement says, every child suffering from medical hair loss. How is cancer not a medical hair loss? Well, apparently the reason goes just a bit deeper than the loss being temporary, as they say. Locks of Love's claims that wigs are donated to children suffering from cancer is less than true. In general, kids with cancer are rejected for a wig as their baldness is temporary. Their baldness is a direct result from chemo and radiation treatment. Once the treatment has been concluded, the child's natural hair grows back. As such, the hair loss is temporary and the child does not qualify for a wig. One insider stated that Locks of Love doesn't give wigs to kids with cancer. Locks of Love simply uses them to create sympathy for the public. Only children suffering from alopecia and other long-term hair loss conditions are being considered, which are very small in number. For the alopecia patient to receive a wig, the parents of the child can apply, but are not guaranteed to receive a wig. The parents have to write a 2000 word essay stating why they think their child qualifies for a wig, send photos of the child and need to pay for the wig in accordance with their earnings. Children of families that have an income of $100,000 or more are not eligible. And again, there's so many things wrong with this that I don't really know if I know where to begin, but let's try. So first of all, making parents write an essay like it's a homework assignment as to why they deserve a wig, not too charitable. I'd maybe get a doctor's note saying, yes, my child has alopecia, even a photo for a before and after type shot, you know, transparency. They require it of the parents, but not of themselves. It's interesting though, right? Like, hey, how about my child deserves a wig because it'll bring them confidence and they don't have hair and this is what you do? Like. I've never heard of being forced to write a fucking essay to get a wig, but here we are with Locks of Love anyway. I went over to the Locks of Love website again to see if this was all real. And thankfully I didn't see a letter on them. Now this might've been true when Medium came out with the article, but I'm not entirely sure. But as of now, they require a diagnosis, a photo, tax returns, other proof of income, other documents verifying financial circumstances and two letters of recommendation. And the letters of recommendation are a bit weird. Like, why would you need to know how exactly this child could benefit from a wig? Like, wouldn't Locks of Love understand that better than anybody else? And asking for tax returns seems a bit extreme in my opinion as well. Like, sure, I can understand why a millionaire can afford to buy their child a wig and it would be better used for a child in need with financial difficulties, but they are really adamant that you should not be able to afford one without them. Plus, if we're looking at this through the lens of a parent of a child with cancer, chemotherapy, treatment, all of that is incredibly expensive. I don't think I really have to Google to know that cancer treatments can ruin people's lives financially. Even if parents were making this $100,000, chemo treatments alone can cost them half of that annually, let alone all the other medical expenses that may go along with it. There's also been some stories online of people that say Locks of Love intended to charge them for a wig when they needed one because they had cancer, though other sources say this isn't the case. And any social media posts claiming families are charged $1,000 are false. 
It just seems like any cost may depend on a financial situation, but still the stories that come out of Locks of Love aren't always happy ones. And many continue to be frustrated with the amount of wigs they put out and what they have charged. Molly Noterman of The Odyssey wrote, the application process includes obtaining reference letters, providing financial information and a doctor's diagnosis. After completing that whole process, many individuals still get rejected. For example, this individual, and their picture is in the article, who had leukemia as a child was rejected on the grounds that her hair loss wasn't permanent enough. In addition, Locks of Love is fairly selective about the hair they select, and it states explicitly in their guidelines that they sell some of it. On top of that, applicants are usually charged for hair pieces. The Locks of Love website states, we provide hair pieces and repairs free of charge or on a sliding scale based on the financial need of those responsible for the children. Not to mention there's an issue that Locks of Love should be producing 2,080 wigs every year, but they're only putting out 317. What the heck are they doing with the rest of that hair? So is Locks of Love the worst charity I've ever covered on the channel? No, they're not. That still goes to Kids Wish Network. And they don't reach the damaging levels that others do, but you know, they do come a little bit close. I know I don't normally put my opinion too much in here to sway you one way or another, but if for some reason you were growing your hair out to donate to another charity, um, and maybe it was Locks of Love, perhaps let me suggest Wigs for Kids instead. They're a pretty decent charity overall, and there's a far higher chance that the hair you actually donate will actually be put into a wig so it can be used for the cause that you intended it to be used for. Again, the way Locks of Loves operates is not transparent. And especially for being a charity, that's something that I find very disturbing and very uncomfy. They should be making far more wigs than they are and they reject cancer patients. Overall, this just is not a nonprofit that I would personally trust with my hair, my donations, or my support. With all of that being said, that's where today's episode of The Corporate Casket is going to end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss out on any new uploads every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you want more from me, including sourcing or social media or to connect with me anywhere else, links for everything will be in the little description area, wherever that is on your specific listening platform. Thank you so much for making it to another episode of The Corporate Casket. I love you so much, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.